Hello, everyone, and welcome to Me, You, Us, a well-being podcast. It's another well-being Wednesday here at Consumers Energy, and I'm your host, Bill Krieger. Today, my guest is Teresa Stasinas. She is the Real Estate, Land Record, and Technology Manager here at Consumers Energy. So, Teresa, if you'd introduce yourself, we'll get the conversation started. Hi, thank you, Bill. Um, again, my name is Teresa Stasinas, and I've been with a company for 12 years, and I've been in the real estate department that entire time, and as the manager of the land records and technology team for 10 years. I am uh, married to a wonderful man for 32 years, and I have two children, um, a boy and a girl, Jed and Melena, and they are young adults, and I'm just very happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you on. We've known each other on and off, but most recently our work with Capable, which for our audience members, if you don't know what Capable is, Capable is our employee resource group here at Consumers Energy that works with uh, folks who are differently abled. And uh, for me, Capable really takes a look at some, uh, what I like to call hidden disabilities, things that you don't see. Many times when we think of disabilities, we think of things that we can see, whether it's a wheelchair or crutches or something like that. But one of the things that really attracted me to Capable was that we look at kind of the the person holistically. And many times there are things that we struggle with that you don't see. And as part of being members of Capable, you and I have talked uh, quite a bit. I found out that you have a unique and interesting story uh, to tell. Um, You know, October is Disabilities and Employment Month. It's also the month that Capable has their Abilities in Action Conference. And if uh, anyone is interested in that, there'll be more information coming out. So please look for that in your email and on the DEI website as well as uh, Capable's website. But Teresa, if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing with us uh, some history about you that really makes this space near and dear to your heart. I am 54 years old and I've been diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I've had it for about 25 years and probably the the first 15, almost 20 years, things have, were going fine. And if you're not familiar with multiple sclerosis, it's an autoimmune disease where your body attacks the, the, co- the coating on your nerves, the myelin, and it exposes your nerves and causes nerve damage and which will then leave lesions on your brain. So anybody who has MS, you know, no two people are alike. It could affect cognitive issues, mobility issues, um, memory, speech, blindness, anything obviously that your brain manages. So for me, the way MS has affected me is it has attacked the brain stem, which is the mobility issues. So for example, one of the struggles I have is my brain will tell the, the muscles in my legs to contract, but the message coming back to my brain is it doesn't receive that message. So my muscles are constantly contracting, which causes a lot of pain, but that's, you know, some of the medications I take. And also um, with nerve pain I have, which is different than muscle pain and all medications for muscle pain doesn't really um, manage the nerve pain. So um, luckily there are a lot of great physicians out there that, that have, you know, either success in different types of medications or, you know, they're, they're um, testing new medications. So I've been very lucky to work with those 
physicians to try to get me to a place where we can manage my pain. But what that's done to me to affect my work life is I, I can't walk as well. So when I came to consumers, I had no tools to, to help with my walking. I just couldn't walk long distances. And then slowly it turned into needing a cane and a walker. And then I use a walker and wheelchair now. Prior to um, even capable being around, I was working with the company on, and most importantly, my boss, Marion Marr, on how I could work remote and do my job. So with the support of her, um, I was able to do that. And this has been six, uh, six, seven years ago that I've been able to manage my team remote and very successfully. So I'm very, very blessed to be working for this company that has allowed me to do that and now having um, capable um, around to support people like me who are um, challenged with with a disability. Well, and thank you for sharing all that. I, if it's all right, I'd kind of like to ask, how did you find out that you had MS? What 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 happened that, that got you to that point? So um, my first, um, I, I received some issues with vertigo. Um, I had a little bit of dizziness. I, they ran through all the tests with um, MRIs and CAT scans, um, and nothing showed up on my brain. So um, fast forward two years, um, I was pregnant, had my daughter. After she was born, I um, had numbness um, along one whole side of my body. So if you, you know, can imagine like taking a pin along your back, it would change the minute it hit my whole right side. So they did another MRI and still nothing on the brain. And then my neurologist decided to do a MRI on my neck, which then showed the brain stem and the lesion on my brain. So with multiple sclerosis, it's multiple, meaning you have multiple lesions. So for many, many years, I only had the one lesion or so they thought, but what they found was I was getting that um, lesions in the same area. So they couldn't quite... Um, you know, identified as multiple. So around, you know, probably 10, 15 years ago, they fully treated it as multiple sclerosis. So this is a, a progressive or can be a progressive it, disease. Yeah. yeah. So uh, people that there's three types, there's um, the chronic where it's, it's pretty progressive at the beginning. I had relapsing remitting, which every five to seven years, you might have um, an issue, and then it turns into the secondary progressive, which is what I currently have now, which is that more progressive um, form. Do they know what what some of the causes might be, or is that still kind of a mystery? It really is a mystery. I mean, they they are looking into several areas, environment. Um, they don't believe it's genetic, um, but they. There are some um, areas of the country where it's more predominant. They talk about in the colder climates, um, the further away you get from the equator, there's more um, cases. So is, it's it could be virus related. So they're really not quite sure, um, but they're still trying to figure that out. And it sounds like they have some great treatments for it as well. Yes, yes, they sure do. And, you know, it's changing every day. Um, so it's it's exciting news. It's certainly changed a lot in the last twenty five years. Well, that that's good to hear. And you know, you talked about uh, how it 
has progressed. So when you started working here at Consumers Energy, mm-hmm. uh, it was it, it was different than what it is now. What was it like for you when you had to go talk to somebody and say, "Look, we need to. I, I need some sort of accommodation, or we need to to work through this because I'm struggling here." What was that like for you, and how did that conversation go? It was very scary. Um, working and being independent and overall independent is very important to me and a lot of people with um, disabilities. Um, I was concerned I would lose my job. I was very concerned I would lose my job. Um, I probably pushed myself harder than I should have um, because of that concern. And if I would have had a conversation sooner, um, I, I think everything would have been better all the way around, as, especially with stress and anxiety. Um, but I did have a conversation with my boss, who's been very supportive, like I mentioned earlier, and um, we reached out to, you know, HR and at the time and the people in, you know, in charge and realized that there was a an area that, that was, um, you know, for ADA. And we met with them and found out that if my job could be performed successfully remote from a remote position, that that I could do that. So, um, you know, my boss supported that. My team supported it. And I've been very, very lucky to, you know, continue work. Well, and I think it's important to note that just because you um, are unable to do the work the way it has traditionally been done or the way that you've done it in the past, it doesn't mean that you're not able to do the work. That's very true. And, you know, I think with, you know, unfortunately, COVID is a horrible, horrible situation. But what it did for, I I believe, with everybody working is it put everybody on the same playing field. We're all remote now. Um, People can understand where I you know, come from some of the challenges I had, and I've been able to share with others um, what I've learned by working remote. So, Teresa, you talked about challenges in working remote when, like you said, now many of us work remote. And so, you know, we're on a Teams meeting. We're not in the same room. We kind of understand the etiquette uh, behind not being in a face-to-face meeting. But what was it like for you to be a part of a meeting remote when others were in the room? It was very challenging. Um, I was, you know, this was before Teams. So I was the, you know, person on the on the phone. And when usually when people are in a meeting, you're face to face, you're discussing things with one another. So it was very hard to keep me engaged or it was it was difficult for me to stay engaged as well. So it was very challenging. Um, we worked through it. It, it. You know, it was a learning experience. And of course, with teams, it makes things much easier. I um, also do not share my camera because of my situation. Um, you know, I'm in a position physically where, you know, the company has been able to help me with, you know, getting a big monitor. I'm, you know, kind of reclined a little bit. So I choose not to share my camera, but um, that really hasn't affected. I don't believe with my team, we're very open with one another and um, we've been pretty successful. Well, and, and I think that's a, that's a good news story there. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that as a company, 
early on when we take a look at our, uh, we have a safety tailboard, but it's, it's the safety and inclusion tailboard where we talk about uh, using our cameras and whether or not that's optional. And I think that's really tends to be a judgment-free zone if we choose not to use our cameras on a particular day. Have you found that to be true? Yes. Yes. There have been, um, you know, situations where, yes, it is, you know, up to the individual. It's not mandatory, but it, it you know, the, the conversation is, wouldn't it be nice if we could do that? It would be nice to see everyone's face. And, and I, uh, I agree with that. I like to see everyone else's face, but it's, it does, um, you know, it, it's hard to explain and, and have to explain why I don't. So I found that it's better to be open with why I don't share um, so that I'm not putting others in an uncomfortable position. Well, and I, I, I think that's, that's nice. It, it, uh, it helps people feel comfortable in that situation, but also uh, that you feel comfortable enough to share that with your coworkers, um, especially in this day and age where we do hear that a lot. Oh, I'd love to see people's faces mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And it's just not um, always possible you know, another question I have, Teresa, and it's not something maybe that we discussed um, prior, but how did how did this impact your family life as well? I mean, we can see where it did impact your ability to come to the office, but how did it impact your family life? Probably the biggest impact is, you know, I I well, I can't say was, I still am a bit of a control freak. So I was the one that, you know, did everything around the house. I was up and down doing things nonstop. Um, I didn't sit a lot. And I remember always thinking, boy, I wish I could just sit five minutes, just have some five minutes to myself or put a movie on and watch TV and, you know, be careful what you wish for sometimes. So that was probably the biggest challenge was letting go for me personally, letting go of that control and, you know, allowing others to do those things that, that I used to do. And also some of those things were not that important in the grand scheme of things. Um, You know, making sure that, you know, the dishwasher was loaded, everything was put away, everything was in this perfect condition, you know, is not always the most important thing. Being around family, having family here, um, was important. And I'm married to an RN who, um, you know, that's very lucky for me that I have somebody in that um, position with that experience, but it does put pressure on him to want to fix things. And this is something we've had to work through that it can't be fixed, obviously. So um, we've worked through it, I think, fairly successfully. Both my kids um, have gone through college. They're, um, one is in Chicago, one is back home. Um, so I think we're doing all right. Well, that's good. And you, I want to go back a little bit in, in this part of the conversation because you said something important there uh, is, is learning to let go and not having control all the time. And I don't know, sometimes I struggle with that myself. Is there, are there like tips or techniques that you have used that you, you have found helpful when you know that you just need to let go and, and not necessarily control the situation? Yes, that was probably the biggest challenge and one I didn't quite realize I was dealing with till um, I, I had counseling, um, which I recommend to everyone. I think therapy is such a good way 
to talk to somebody that has no, um, you know, that can be completely objective. They know absolutely nothing about your family and they can see things from the outside. So I was given a lot of um, tools from that aspect too, um, because when I did feel out of control and I couldn't control something, I would get a lot of anxiety. And being able to back myself down from that anxiety was to um, stimulate the left side of my brain. So um, I, you know, taught to try to do math problems, not something that you can answer right away that's memorized, but difficult multiplication, you know, facts or something like that, that really stops that fight or flight on the right side of your brain to um, focus on the left side. So that has really helped me to um, stop myself from, you know, kind of going into a full-blown anxiety attack because I don't have that control. Also, um, I've had to learn this, which was very difficult. And what the company offers is headspace and meditation. That has probably been the biggest key for me, not only to handle anxiety, let go of control, but also pain management. And I have a, one of my physicians is very supportive of alternative methods for pain management. And it's, you know, what I've been reading is that the medical community is also really supporting um, meditation and mindfulness, um, you know, to help with this opioid epidemic that we have. Um, because some of the medications that, that would help me are those medications, and I refuse to take them at this point or some other medications that would help with pain, but would affect me cognitively. I'm glad that you brought up meditation because uh, like you mentioned, we do have, we do have headspace here at, at Consumers Energy um, for all of our coworkers. By the way, if you're listening and you work for Consumers Energy, you have a free subscription to, to headspace. But I did find that meditation has been very, very helpful for my anxiety as well. And I don't know about you, but when I first kind of started I felt a little silly and then I had this preconceived notion of what meditation was and how it was done and then I started listening to Headspace and looking at some of their webinars and realized that uh, man this just really fits into my life like I can get up in the morning and I can do this if I'm feeling anxiety I can do this it's been great in that respect how how did you feel about it when you first started it was very difficult because my inner voice was very loud. <laughs> you know, I, I attended actually some classes, um, in-person classes early on. Um, and it was very difficult because the whole time, I, you know, what was running through my head was, am I breathing right? Am I doing this correctly? You know, that I, I couldn't quite quiet my inner voice. So um, with Headspace and just working with my physician on my own, and there are some other applications out there that will help, um, it, I've been able to get away from what you called that silliness because it does sound very silly initially um, and just find that inner, inner voice that's quiet. And, and it, it's different, I believe, for everyone. Again, with, you know, everything else, you have to find what works for you. But meditation is definitely something that I believe everyone can learn from. So this this really is kind of a um, an outside of the box question, but I got to ask. So when you're okay. when you're listening to Headspace, 
like when I hear Andy's voice come on, uh, he's kind of the main guy at Headspace. Mm -hmm. When he, when he comes on, like I automatically start to relax. And I wonder if, if like, if Andy's the guy that does that for you, or if there's someone else in Headspace that you listen to. Um, it, it really isn't so much the person that I'm listening to. It's what I'm telling myself. So if I can, and, and this will sound strange, I'm sure, but, um, you know, once it starts, I have to kind of override that voice and say, you know, okay, listen, Teresa, this is what's going to help. And I really have to talk to myself and then I'll start to pay attention and then I'll start to breathe and not, and focus on the breathing. We've been talking a little bit about meditation, and I know that we didn't talk about this ahead of time, but if you're willing, I was thinking we could do like a one-minute meditation to give the audience a taste of what we're talking about, and uh, maybe that will help some other folks to, to kind of see what meditation's about, and uh, maybe they'll try it out. What do you think? Absolutely. Okay, here we go. This is actually a, a mini meditation from Headspace called Let Go of Stress. And I'm just going to hit play, and we're going to do this one-minute meditation, and then when we come back, we'll, we'll talk about it. Hi, and welcome to Headspace. So no matter what's going on in your life right now, no matter how many thoughts are racing around your mind, no matter how the body's feeling, just take a moment to sit down and take a big, deep breath, breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. As you breathe in, a sense of taking in fresh air, the lungs expanding. As you breathe out, a sense of letting go of any stress in the body, in the mind. Just feeling the muscles soften and relax. And close your eyes if you'd like to one more, breathing deeply in through the nose and out through the mouth. And just take a moment to pause. Allow the thoughts to come and go. And then just gently opening the eyes again. All right. So that is one of the meditations that I use uh, on a pretty regular basis. It's very quick. It only takes a minute. Just in that one minute, I feel my anxiety level reduced just a bit. So what are your thoughts on that? Yes, absolutely. I think when we you know, have anxiety or are nervous, we're not breathing. Like I probably have been most of this conversation, but um, by, by you know, focusing on something like this where they're actually telling you to breathe in deep and, and breathe out slowly, that will really eliminate that anxiety. You know, I learned something new every time I talk to, to people. And one of the things I learned was the technique that you talked about earlier too, about doing math problems you know, I've I've used a lot of used breathing techniques. I've used the, you know, name something you can touch, name something you just, you know, all the senses to try and um, calm myself down. But I never thought about math problems. So uh, the next time I get the opportunity, I'm going to give that a try. It does help. It definitely does help because you're focusing on completing that math problem rather than that fight or flight part of your brain that takes over sometimes. Well, uh, as as happens frequently on the show, we are running up towards the end of the podcast. It's been great talking with you. And I'll tell you what, time seems to fly when I'm having these great conversations. But before we go, Teresa, 
Is there anything that you would like to leave the audience with? First and foremost, you know, reach out to Capable. Um, you know, Capable is, you can reach them through a DEI on Teams or um, the Peel Box Capable. Um, but they're there to help. They're there to answer questions, even if it's not for you, if it's for a family member, just even if it's just to understand in general um, what people with disabilities may be going through, what what's out there to help. And then personally, um, I have had to learn, and this did not come easily, that um, to share my story, to tell my story. Um, it's difficult to do. Um, my opinion was I didn't want people to feel sorry for me, so I didn't share my story. But I think by doing that, it's it's no longer controlling me. I'm able to control, you know, the the narrative there. So um, ask questions. Um, people with with disabilities, like I said, want to be independent. We want to feel part of the norm. Um, but I welcome questions. I would like people to ask questions. I know I've used this um, comment that was uh, a question that was brought up to me in another um, conversation I had where, you know, kids are so honest. They ask questions that generally parents try to, you know, stop them from asking. But their questions come from, you know, authenticity, honesty. So, you know, think of it that way when, it, you know, a child asks, why do you have a cane or why are you in a wheelchair? You know, answer those questions. People want to understand people. Most people are very, very good people. They just want to help or understand. Well, thank you for that. And absolutely, I think sharing our stories is so very important because as different as we all think we are, I think many ways we are alike in that helps people see where we have those similarities. And um, I think I like what you said there as well, really assuming positive intent that sometimes people just wanna know and they don't know how to ask in a way that uh, that we would like them to, uh, but assuming positive intent can go a long way in helping that conversation along. So Teresa, thank you so much for taking the time out to come on and share your story. I'm sure this will touch many others as they listen to the podcast. And I look forward to us talking again. Thanks, Bill. And thank you to the audience for tuning in today. Remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. And be sure to take a few minutes and fill out our survey to let us know how we're doing. That can be found at http colon slash slash b-i-t dot l-y slash m-e dash y-o-u Dash US. And remember to tune in every Wednesday when we talk about the things that impact your personal well-being.